But if you have your Bible today, let's take your Bibles and turn. We get to change chapters today to John 14, just the introduction of 14. And I don't know why you came to church today, okay? So go ahead and take, take 30 seconds or less and tell yourself why you came to church today. So don't say it out loud, but why'd you come? All right, the Bible tells us to examine ourselves, right? Because if you don't examine yourself and God does examine you, what's going to happen is judgment is quick to follow because if our examination of self is not in right with, aligned with God's righteousness, then his judgment follows. So make sure you know why you came today. Uh, some of you children, you had to come. Mama made you come today or daddy made you come or grandma or whatever it might be. But make sure that you actually, since you're here, check yourself to learn something from the Word of God. And uh, you'll never know what uh, traditions you'll learn or pick up or things. We, we try not to get into habits of doing same old, same old. But that Blessed Assurance song that we sang, I remember singing as a kid. We used to say it like this because when people say this, uh, and I've told you here if you've been with us before, uh, this is my story, this is my song. And where I'm from, when people would say this is, they'd say this here. So this here's my story, this here's my song. So I was singing this here, and I taught my kids that, unfortunately, and Mackenzie, were you singing that? This here's my story. This here's my song. Praise my Savior all day long. So it's just some of your cultural things growing up in church, they'll carry with you. Some people will get into cultures and will divide over Bibles. I was, I'm in a minister's group, and I'm so surprised at how many Southern Baptist pastors are so different than I am or that I am from them. I believe the Word of God is the inerrant Word of God. I believe we can stand wholly and strongly on the Word of God because if God said it, it has to be true. Amen? Either he's right or he's foolish. You can't have it both ways. And, and today, there, it's been going around for 100 years. You always hear conservatives and liberals. And then people have tried to come up with a, what they call a third way. And today, that's creeping into the church, and they're trying to create what they call a third-way church, a church that's kind of not conservative. We can deal with our folks that are conservative, and a church that's not liberal, even though we can deal with our church that's liberal, and we want to come together and they have this time and uh, this title, and what is the title called today? Moderates. So they want to put you somewhere in the middle, and that makes confusion fighting because you don't stand on either side, right? And really, it came about about the. I know the children today is a family worship day, so I'll try to uh, keep my message as PG as possible as the scripture does. But to know that the alternative lifestyle is why the big fight in the church today is: hey, we have to accept people that say. A man like me says I'm a girl or a woman and vice versa and all the other alternative lifestyles that we know as adults and even as the children know on social media. That's the third way church. It says just accept everybody. Yes, you can live that alternative lifestyle and you can be a Christian too. And I'm here to tell you that alternative lifestyle, no matter how you call it, is evil. It's the same as saying you can accept Satan and love Jesus at the same time. When Judas last week, we talked about Judas. When Satan entered into Judas and he kissed Jesus, he went and he betrayed Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And when you live that sinful alternative lifestyle, you're betraying the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're doing the same thing that Judas did. You're turning your back on Jesus Christ. You say, well, we, let's just love them, Pastor. That's the third way church. Just love everybody and look over their faults. Because, listen, the Bible says love covers a multitude of sins. Love does cover a multitude of sins. The Bible does say that. But the Bible talks about accountability on every page of the Bible. Look when the children of Israel got into trouble, what did they do? When they turned their backs on God, God brought judgment. And when they turned back to God, God blessed them abundantly. He made promises and promises to them. So let's not get into that third-way church today. We are the one-way church, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
and he's the master of the church. No one comes to the Father except through him. <clears throat> it's, not he, it's not Jesus plus something. It's Jesus. Jesus alone. Now be careful if you ever do a search. There is a church called The Way. The Way International. They are an occult. They don't believe Jesus is the Son of God. They've changed their doctrine lately to, to make it more uh, uh, appetizing for the people that uh, want to follow the way when they see the scripture. But just be careful when you type a search as the way that you don't get into the way international. That, that is a, an occultic church. They sound like us. They look like us. But they're not of us, as the book of, of the Bible says, okay? They're a different way. So we're not a third way church. We're not the way international, but we are the way church. We are the people of God. And that's who we follow, we see today, as Jesus talked to his disciples. We know, as we've been following through the scripture, if you're a guest with us, we're glad you're here today. Before I get into and preach today and actually show you the word of God, God's been doing a work in our church, all in different people's lives and different things are happening. I asked Mike to come up. Mike, if you would, come up just for a moment. As you know, I, I was joking with Mike, that's why he kept looking at me. One, he borrowed my glasses and I said, don't you leave that podium with my glasses. I usually take it, that's why he looked at Kristen, looked back at me and was like, oh, put them here. But uh, God's blessed us with a tremendous Bible teacher in the church. We have many Bible teachers in the church. But those of us that are called uh, vocationally, Mike, much like myself, God called, gave opportunity to teach Bible, to teach a Sunday school class or be a part of youth in, in different avenues and events like that. But Mike felt strongly that God was calling him to the ministry. He left his, obviously his career as an engineer at the nuclear plant, came here and uh, came on staff with us and and somebody that works out there said, we know what Mike did out there. Either he's, either we're paying him a lot of money or he has truly been called of God to our church. And I said, well, I know what he gets paid, so we're not paying him a lot of money, right? You're never going to get rich in church. But Mike left his career for a calling that God was called a higher calling, and God called him to the ministry. We license him as a church. That's what we do in a Baptist church. We'll license a man who feels called to the ministry. We'll watch him. We'll listen to him teach and preach. We'll do uh, different things. We'll, we'll walk with him. And as he feels closer and closer to the Lord, that God says, this is what you're supposed to do. Uh, because many preachers say, if you can do anything on the planet besides preach, do that. Don't be a pastor. Do anything else besides be a pastor if, if, you, can't, if you can do something else. Because it, all the burdens and all the sacrifices and all the commitments that come with being a pastor. And so Mike has um, listened to the Lord. And yesterday we had opportunity uh, fellow ministers and pastors uh, from Georgia, uh, uh, we had opportunity to sit before a board, chairman of deacons, myself, our director of missions, have y'all heard a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple other pastors, and we had opportunity to sit before uh, uh, Mike and the Lord and question Mike. There's a ton of questions, and we know where Zach gets his nervousness from sometimes now because Mike's, uh, he knew all the answers, but sometimes it's like, hey, we're your friend, we had to keep reminding him, we are your brothers, and we're just... <laughs> This is what we do in ordination council. So yesterday the board, as we excuse Mike, talked among herself, talked among his answers, that we feel confident as a church one, but as brothers as well, as our bylaws say, that we'll have a, a ceremony coming up very shortly where we have a, we call it a lay on the hand ceremony. We'll ask ordained ministers to be a part of that, and we'll actually uh, ordain Mike into the ministry as Town Creek Baptist Church. Um, therefore, giving him the uh, blessing, if you will, and also all the uh, titles and all the blessings and cursings that comes with being a pastor. I'm just kidding. Uh, but he'll, he'll be an official. We, we talk about sometimes, if you grew up in church, he'll be the Reverend Mike Schaefer. So uh, uh, you'll see that coming up, and uh, that we'll have that conversation. But we want you to know as a church, those of you that know Mike, you've walked through this season with him for the last couple of years, and those of you who known him even before, 
Tammy knew him all the way back, right? In-laws know him all the way back, parents and kids, how God's changed his life and brought him to this point. So we wanted to bring that to the church, not keep it a, wasn't a secret, we never keep secrets, but we wanted to let you know ahead of time, even before we do the service. So when that day comes, we can rejoice together. So Mike. Thank you. I don't hug anybody, y'all know. I, I want that video. <laughs> Thank you, brother. Thank you. Mike's always trying to hug me because he knows I don't like to be hugged. I was that kid, I don't like to be hugged, and, and I just, I don't. But he hugs me every chance he gets, and it makes me want to punch him in Jesus' name. <laughs> but Mike, if you see his character, he's a humble man. He's, he's straightforward, and he is a, one who loves. And, and so we're proud of Mike and, and just had a good time yesterday. And we even had Chick-fil-A to make it holy. We had God's chicken, right? I don't like Chick-fil-A, but we had it that, uh, yesterday. So, Let's take our Bibles, John 14. This is the good stuff today, y'all. title of the sermon is simply this, A Place in the Father's House. How many of you have ever been to a vacation resort or to a place that you made reservations, you couldn't wait to get there, and you got there, and it was exactly what was promised? Anybody ever have that experience? Now, we can have other experiences as well, right? That wasn't what was promised. They lost their reservations. But has anybody had a destination and you made, the re- you made the reservations, and it was just like it was said. Yeah, listen, there's nothing quite like that if you have that experience. I don't think I stayed in a hotel. Mom, you can correct my mother's here. I didn't stay in a hotel until I was 18 years old. Anybody stay that? Anybody older than that before you stayed in a hotel? Anyone never stayed in a hotel or motel? I think I was like 18, maybe younger, because we went to Daytona Beach, so we had to stay there. But as I could recollect... Start thinking about things of making the arrangements. You know when you transition from being a kid in the house to actually being a young man or a young woman, you got to make the reservations yourself. You try to rent a car and you find out you can't rent a car until you're 21 and you find out all these different restrictions. You go, what's that about? If I'm on my own, I should have the ability to make my own decisions and you should accept me because of I'm a man or a woman, a young man or a woman. So all those complications of not knowing how to do stuff. Right? right? You learn that thing as you get married, as you grow. It, can you think back, those of you that are older, those of you that are younger, you might be transitioning, and when you go to college, how do you, that's why so many college students microwave uh, those noodles. What's those ramen noodles? They don't know how to cook. Their mother or daddy never taught them how to cook. At our school, we teach our kids how to cook. We, we teach you here at Town Creek how to, at Christian Academy how to cook. That's a life skill. We teach you how to iron. We teach you how to even sew buttons back on, right? All those things we need in, in, in life that you need to know. How to do life, because so many people are, are, go through life and were never taught. Anybody not, not know how to iron? Who's a non-ironer in, ironer in the building? Who does not iron? Raise your hand. You know how to learn to iron? My mother, number one, and the military, the Navy. You always had to have creases in your shirt, then you all had creases in your arms, so we had to learn. And so that's how we learned those life skills. So today we're talking about a reservation, a place in the Father's house. I want you to be thinking, the whole time I'm preaching, I want you to be thinking about heaven, okay? What are you going to be thinking about when I'm preaching besides lunch? Heaven. So I want you to be thinking about heaven. Let's get there. Let's go there together. John 14. Jesus has just told his disciples that he's going away. Judas has betrayed him, and Jesus says, okay, now I can tell you. Now I'm glorified. The Father's glorified me. I've glorified the Father. Let's go. And he starts telling them that he's actually going somewhere. They can't come yet, right? There's a reservation that Jesus has that these men that follow him, his disciples, can't go because it's not time. Peter, you know Peter, if, y'all, if you went to Catalyst this morning, the, 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 the lesson was on pride comes before a fall. Peter said, I'll, I'll never leave you. I'm, I'm, I'll be with you to the end. And Jesus said, listen, Peter, before the rooster crows three times, you'll deny me. And he did. We know that he did. Jesus transitions, and, and they're stressed because these men said, I have followed you all of our life, and now 
you're leaving. We've given everything, three years of our lives, we've given our careers, we've given everything to follow you, and you're leaving? And Jesus said, yeah, I'm leaving, you can't go with me yet, right? It was a not yet. Watch this, transition with me to chapter 14, verse 1. We read this many times at funerals, but this is actually, these guys thought they were at a funeral, they thought their lives were over. Let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, or your translation might say many rooms or many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would, not, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. You know how to get there. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going and how can we know the way? Valid question. The only problem with that question is, Jesus just told them they knew where he was going, and Jesus just told them they knew the way. And Thomas contradicts him, like many of us do today, but what about, and we fill in the blank with our doubts and fears, right? Anxieties. Look at verse 6. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Let's pray together. Father, would you bless the reading of your word today? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, look at your notes, because we're going to go pretty quick. We want you to see in the notes that there's this comparison. And in your mind's eye, when you think about heaven, what do you think about when somebody says, Jesus says, what do you think about? If you think about when Jesus says, what, 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 what comes to your mind or to your heart whenever you hear the word, Jesus says? Some of us read it like a preschool Bible story book, like it's some kind of nice flowery words in the Bible. I want you to get in your mind that Jesus Christ is God, and when he says something, he's supreme, he's full authority, and he commands you to do it. He's not making suggestions, he's not playing around. When Jesus says, it's fact. Amen? I should have been a minute. let me try it again. When Jesus says it, it's fact. Amen. Speak back so we understand. So when you hear the word Jesus says in the word of God, or the word of God says, don't let somebody say, well, God told me the other day, right? Okay. Here's a good question you can push back on somebody. Show me where he told you. Show me scripture bases that he told you that. Well, well, he just told me, because everybody has a prophetic word today, right? I have a word from the Lord. Where'd you get that word? If it's from God directly, then it's new scripture. Do you understand that? If you get an inspired word from the Lord about whatever, fill in the blank, about what heaven looks like, all these crazy people saying they're dying with the heaven, and they come back and write books and make movies about what heaven's like, and it's totally different than what the Bible says heaven's like. Those are foolish people. Don't follow the wisdom of man. If somebody says they have a prophetic word for you, take your Bible and say, where does it say that? Amen? Because the Bereans were people who actually searched the scriptures daily, and they were commended by Paul, good for you. When a man says, listen, Jesus said, or listen, he's coming, or they tell him in the church of Thessalonica, too bad, people, Jesus has already returned and you missed him. When a man does that, the people of the Way International are still doing it today. Every cult that starts, every cult says, are you really sure God is who he says he is? Are you really sure Jesus is the Son of God? Are you really sure that the Holy Spirit is working today? Can you even believe in a Trinity God? Because isn't that three gods instead of one? We know that the scripture comes into play. Listen, we know that the Lord says he reveals himself as the Father, as the Son, and as the Holy Spirit. Three, in essence, but yet one. You say, well, I can't understand that. Well, here's the big deal. 
No one can because no one's God except He. Amen? He is God. God the Father is God. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is God. And God the Holy Spirit is God. You say, well, I don't understand. Well, join the boat, right? We're rowing that way to heaven. We don't fully understand it either, but the Word speaks it through and through. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Is that what your Bible says? Genesis 1.1. Well, John 1.1 says, Jesus Christ, right, the Word, He was with God, and He was God, the Bible, if you keep going. In the beginning, God was the Word, and the Word was with God and was God, is God. That's a plain statement from the Word of God. Many of our Muslim friends will say, but Jesus never said, I am God, follow me. Look what the Bible says. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. He was making himself equal with the Father. You guys as Jewish people, that's who he was talking to, these Jewish disciples, you believe that God is the Father. That's good, but believe in me. Because here's what I'm going to tell you. In my Father's house are many mansions. That's heaven. He's talking about heaven. That reservation that Jesus said, I'm going to make a reservation for you if, watch this, you'll find out, if you believe I am the way, the truth, and the life. If you don't believe that you have no reservation in heaven, you cannot ride your mama or grandmama or granddaddy or daddy's coattails into heaven. You must have your personal reservation in heaven. You must believe that Jesus Christ is a living son of God, that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that he was buried on the third day, he rose again. By putting your faith and trust and confessing him as your Lord and Savior, saying, Lord, I believe that. I don't understand it, but I believe it. And I don't know why you do that for me, but I believe it. When you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, then and only then do you have your reservations in the Father's house. Amen? But listen, your reservation can't be removed. It can't be taken out of the Father's house. Many of our brothers and sisters that are Baptists, uh, they're, they're free will Baptists, so they come to the place of actually, they, they think I have the free will to get in and get out. Get in, get out. Do you think God Almighty would actually tolerate that for one second? That his children would step out and get into sin because they want to go party this weekend. But they're going to get saved again Sunday. They're going to walk to the altar again Sunday. They're going to get baptized again so they feel fresh and renewed all over with God again. That is not the way the kingdom of God works. Our God does not play games like some circus clown. How people live church today. People are in and out like a swinging door, like a windshield wiper on a car on a rainy day. That's how most people say, I'm a Christian too. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm not a Christian. You know how dizzy you can get on a, on a heavy high-speed flipper, right, when a windshield wiper is flipping like this? Imagine what God's doing up in heaven. And all these people say, well, you can be saved again and again and again and again. Listen, that's not what the Bible teaches. Jesus said, listen, he died one time on the cross. You must be saved one time. The end. You will grow in that, that sanctification. You are set apart, and you are daily being set apart. You will sin, and you will have to come to the place that God will humble you, and you have to confess your sins before a holy God. Look at your notes, if you would, for a second. Jesus told his disciples he was leaving, and that they could not follow him just that moment. This caused them great stress. Could you imagine how much stress they had? They were stressed out. Everything they had was put in the Jesus boat, if you will. They, they were counting on Jesus. Jesus, if you look in the Word, verse, the first part of 1A, Jesus is the great consoler. I'm leaving you, and you're not coming with me, not yet. He's the great consoler. He encouraged his disciples with the message of hope. Later, Peter would say, listen, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. That's what Peter would say later in 1 Peter, right? You go look what he says. Well, how can Peter know that? Well, Peter just got called, if you look at Jesus and Peter, Jesus steps up, I'll do, I'll never, 
Peter's always putting his foot in his mouth, right? I'll never. He was a leader. He was a, a strong, outspoken man. Even one time, Jesus said, listen, get behind me, Satan. Has anybody ever called you Satan? Does anybody want to call your mother-in-law Satan? Just, I'm a man, so I can say that, right? Sometimes you hear the, the, the nagging. And get, imagine if you said to somebody, get behind me, Satan, and somebody said that to your face. How would you feel? No, you'd feel like Satan, and you'd want to fight, right? Don't you ever call me Satan, right? We would step up, and we would act just like Satan. But Jesus told Peter, get behind me, Satan. And Peter was embarrassed. He couldn't believe that the Lord would say this about him. And then later, Peter would bolster again. You will see as we continue through the book of John. I'll never leave you. He even wax off the servant's ear as they arrest Jesus. I'm never going to leave you. I'll die for you. And the Lord says, you will die for me. I'll die just like you. And the Lord said, you will die just like me. And Peter did go, according to the record, to a martyr's death. He died for the Lord Jesus Christ. But, but before he died, he would tell you, he's been in all this trouble. We see him in this mix, in this mess of his life. He's not thinking about the, heaven, the kingdom of heaven. These boys are thinking about the kingdom here on earth, having gold rings and having nice things and, and living in the kingdom and beating the Romans. That's what he's thinking about. That's what all of them are thinking about. If you go back and read, they were competitive these guys were selfish. They're thinking about here and now, my stuff. Give me some, let me get some of that, right? They were not thinking about the kingdom of heaven. Oh, that'll come too. That's where we are today if we're not careful. We'll think about here and now. Our social media and, our, and the, those phones, listen, those devices you have are killing you because you're satisfied with the here and now. You're not satisfied thinking about the future because all your satisfaction, you want to you dream about like... I'm, I'm guilty sometimes on the computer, right? I want to see drag racing. I want to see cars because I like fast cars. and I love the smell of rubber burning when the people do burnouts and that fuel, the, the racing fuel. I just love all those smells mixed together. I love speed, right? I like, I don't love it, but I like it a lot, right? As when McKenzie was little, she used to say, I yuck it, yachts. That's me when it comes to drag racing and, and speed and, and that kind of thing. Well, what happens is you can spend all your time watching that. And the devil will get you, right? Because if you type in drag racing now, you get up drag queens that come on your uh, YouTube. So you have to be watching what you're looking at because, and then it stains your computer with cookies. It's, it's everything. You can pick your thing, cooking, whatever your thing is, cooking shows, home improvement. How many DIYs are out there today? And if you're not careful, you'll spend all your waking hours doing those things. The Lord wants you to focus on heaven and what's coming. Look what Jesus did. Jesus emphasized the need for a specific belief in him. Verse 1, the second part of verse 1, you believe in God, believe also in me. That was a command. That wasn't a suggestion. How many of you today struggle with the belief of God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit? There's preachers this morning will teach the Trinity is not in the Bible. Uh, they'll speak to it about it's not real. It's made up. Those Baptists over there are making it up. We're reading from the Word of God. We didn't make it up. When Jesus was baptized, did you hear the voice in, in the Word of God that's recorded that the Father spoke? This is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. Who spoke? God the Father. Who was being baptized? God the Son. And then the Bible says, as like a dove lighted upon him. Who was that? The Holy Spirit. Do you even see right there? Go back and look. Go back and look as, as the men are walking through the Scripture. The Mount of Transfiguration, when, when God the Father brings glory to the Son. When you see the Holy Spirit speak, and he pushes people to actually to, when you have those, uh, the Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2, when the church is just launching, what's happening? The Holy Spirit is working in people's lives over time, and he's bringing glory to Jesus Christ. 
And as we see Jesus, he's bringing glory to the Father. You say, show me that in Scripture. Go back and look at uh, 1332. If God is glorified in him, that's Jesus, God will also glorify him. Could you imagine God glorifying you? Now, he brings glory to himself through your life. You can bring glory to God, but he don't exalt you as God. Jesus is being exalted equal to God the Father. The Father's saying, hey, everybody take a look at Jesus. That's my son. That's what the Father's doing. And Jesus is like, hey, take a look at the Father. That's my Father. Yet the two are one. And then Jesus says later, hey, I'm leaving you, but I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to send you the Comforter. Who is the Comforter, church? The Holy Spirit. That's a doctrine you need to have in your repertoire that you know that Jesus said he's going to ask the Father. The Father's going to send the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And doctrine is simply that, teachings from the Bible. Have proper doctrine. Listen, you'll live a righteous life. Amen? Let's continue. I want you to see. Jesus spoke about the Father's house, the place he would be, and the place they would be if they had faith in him. They had to have faith in him. Now you think back in, and I skipped the scripture, but I want you to see it. It's not in your bulletin, but I want you to see it. Go back with me. Hold your place. Go back to John chapter 8. Remember, we've, we've traveled this journey already. But when the Jews, they just could not believe that Jesus was the Son of God. So let me correct that. They would not believe that Jesus is the Son of God. They could believe because some did. But many didn't because they didn't want to give up their affluence or their influence, right? They, want, they didn't want to follow him. They wanted all the stuff of this world like so many people. John chapter 8, verse 28. Look what it says. When you're there, say amen. Then Jesus said to them, when you lift up the Son of Man, what is lifting up the Son of Man? That's not like this, like power in the party, right? Lift him up. What is that? To lift him up was to put him on the tree. To put him on the cross, that's lifting up Jesus. So when you crucify the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he and that I do nothing of myself. But as my Father taught me, I speak these things. Verse 29, and he who sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone, for I always do those things that please him. As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Blessed are those people. Amen? Would you agree? We'll see those people. We don't know their names right here, but we'll see them in heaven when we get there to the Father's place. Their reservation was made that day they believed Jesus Christ. Isn't that good news? It can happen to them, and it can happen for you and for me. Such good news. Let's continue. Verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. What a sweet, sweet thing. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. Can I proclaim that today? Can you proclaim that today that Jesus Christ is my Lord and I am his disciple for all eternity? Perfect? No, not yet, but I'm going to be. Let's continue. Verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall do what for you, church? Yeah, Martin Luther King didn't get that originally, right? He took that from the word of Jesus Christ. If you know him, if you know him, and if you shall know the truth. Who is the truth, by the way? I am the truth, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. They answered him, we are Abraham's descendants. Look how, look how prideful, even people who just said they believe. We are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a what, church? Say it with me. Do a, does a slave have a say-so? And we know our... We know our uh, U.S. history. But look at world history. Are there slaves today? There's been a slave since mankind has sinned in the garden. If you sin, you are the slave to that sin. How about your phone? Let me get back to that thing, right? Pastor, now you're meddling. 
If you spend more time on that stupid phone, that, and the word stupid is in the Bible, by the way, if you spend more time on that phone than you do in the Word of God, listen, you're in sin. You say, well, what about, I use it for my business. Okay, that's day-to-day work. But I'm talking about just doing this. <laughs> right and I only did that for less than a minute there's people that are doing it for hours upon hours upon hours because you got to know what everybody else is lying to you about has any of you put yourself on social media with your hair all jacked up, your makeup crossed your face, you spit going down your face, you want to go, what a good morning, take a selfie and show the world? No, you all lie. You, you take a shower, you clean up, you put your best on, and then you take a picture of yourself, and you want everybody to romanticize that time at the beach or that time in the mountains or whatever it might be. I recently did that. I put selfies. We took selfies down at Edisto. We were with the grandkids. And somebody said, that was so nice of you to put all your pictures online for us to see. I said, I put none of that online for you to see. I put that online because the Chamber of Commerce was doing a competition. And if you took pictures of all 10 of those crazy turtles and took a picture with them, your grandkids got a free prize. It was all selfish to put it online. I didn't put it for anybody to see because I like my business private, but I had to put it on there so that they could see it and so that my kids, could, my grandkids could get a prize. That's the only reason. So if, I'm sorry if I burst your bubble. If you thought I did it for you, I didn't, okay? I did it for my grandkids. It was selfish. It was everything selfish about that, but we did have a good time. I like private, uh, privacy. Let's continue. Watch what Jesus says. This is so important for these disciples. They're stressed out. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but listen, I know the case. So many times when we have a talk, how many of us are stressed out? Uh, there's things that we're doing. Uh, you, you go through all kind of different uh, factions of life, whether it might be health or wealth related. We're stressed today in American culture. We're, we're talking about recession. We're talking about inflation. We're talking about who's in charge, who's not in charge. Listen, Jesus Christ is still King of kings and Lord of lords. He ain't stepped off his throne for one minute. No matter what's going on in America, China, Russia, pick a spot, he's still king of kings. Amen? So with that in mind, and what are we thinking about as we preach to this sermon besides lunch? Heaven. Keep your mind on heaven. Let's go. All right, here we go. Jesus explained his divine preparation for heavenly citizenship. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you, fellas. And if I go to prepare a place, that's why I'm leaving you, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm making a way for you to get there. What's the way? How we get to heaven is through the blood of of the Lamb. Amen? Through Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. He says, I'm going to prepare a way, and it didn't look good. The way Jesus made was ugly. He was abused. He was beat down. He was stripped naked and hung on a cross, and he died on a cross, and then even had his side pierced. By his stripes, we are healed, says the Word of God. Not that because he was abused. That stripes was an avenue for him to die, that he might die for your sins and for my sins, that God the Father would take all the ugly since Genesis chapter 1 when Cain killed Abel and dumped that ugly, sinful, nasty mess. You name the sin, think of your worst thought. <coughs> we judge sins many times, don't we? Oh, this one's worse than that one. And we measure them like this. We, we, that's a bad sin. That's not so bad. That's a little white lie. You ever said that before? Who's ever said that before or heard it? Yeah, that's a lie itself, right? Sin is sin. The end. So all the sin of all time, of all history, past, present, and future, that humans have committed, was picked up and laid on Jesus Christ that day. 
That's why it says by his stripes were healed. Not because he got beat down before the cross. Not because he was nailed to a cross. Not because he was stabbed in the side. It's because that ugly way that he made, right? That Satan thought he had won. The demons thought they had won. Man thought they had won. That ugly way that he would die carrying all of our junk, all of our trash to the dump, right? He would actually take all of it upon him. The Bible says he was made sin who knew no sin. Your stuff, my stuff was put on him that day. And he died, and the Bible talks about the father, if you will, turning his holy back to his son, never been separated before. He took that on the cross for you and for me, that we might have eternal life, that we might have this reservation in the father's house. Don't we serve a good God? Amen, we do. Listen, let's continue. Let me give you the notes real quick. This is awesome. Jesus comforted his disciples by describing their heavenly home. This is their hotel reservation, if you will. There's a place for them. Now, we used to sing... Because King James, the new King James, talk about he's, there's many mansions there. And I used to think as a kid, like, heaven's going to fall in if sooner or later. Right? Because I thought of a mansion. I always thought the Beverly Hillbillies is the only mansion I ever seen growing up. Right? That big place in California. I, I thought that was, or, or I saw uh, kingdoms and castles and things like that in the encyclopedia. And I'm like, man, if all these people go to heaven, heaven's going to fall in. Because heaven was built on clouds when I was a kid. Little fat baby angels playing harps all around. I mean, it was just a mess of place. Right? And there was one street made of gold, and everybody else got these monster houses. I'm like, how in the world is that going to work? You ever thought like that? How many of you ever thought, like, raise your hands. You don't feel, I don't feel stupid completely, right? Nobody ever explained to me that. I heard preaching, but I tuned it out. Yes, I don't know. But nobody ever put it together. There's a place for me. There's a personal place. And I'm like, man, that'd be lonely living in a big mansion, right? I grew up with four uh, brothers and sisters and a family of six. I wouldn't be stuck in a room by myself, especially a big old place by myself. How awful would that be? That wouldn't be heaven. That'd be torture. I want to go mess with somebody, right? I want to talk to somebody, right? I want to wrestle. That's, you know, as a kid, that's what I was thinking. And like, I don't want to go to heaven. In hell, at least everybody used to say, oh, I'm going to party and go to hell with my friends, right? ACDC, we came through as a teenager. They told us there was a highway to hell. And that we were like, yeah, that's a good song, right? I'm going to drink in hell, smoke dope in hell. Then I start reading that hell's the place of the lake of fire. I'm like, wait a minute, alcohol, there ain't no alcohol because the rich man couldn't even have a drop of liquid on his tongue. So there's no alcohol there. And Well, if it's marijuana or any other drugs, it burns up. So there's no drugs there. Well, who wants to go there, right? There's, there's nothing fun there. It's just torment, a place of outer darkness. So then I'm in a quandary. I don't want to go to heaven because I don't want to be a fat baby cherub, right? I don't want to have a big old house matching and I don't want to go to hell because, man, they got it bad down there, right? So what do you do? You're stuck, like, making a decision until you find out the truth. And when you find out the truth, that you find the truth by reading the Word of God. You find out, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hell is this awful place. Hell is this place that where the, there's gnashing of teeth, where the, where the worm never dies. How can that be? I don't know. God said it. I believe it. But heaven is this place where we get to be in the presence of Jesus. Heaven is this place that the Bible says you're known as you're known. I'll know you when you get to heaven. You'll know me. You'll call me by my name up until I get the new name, right? Because we sing there's a new name written down in glory and it's mine. We sing that today. The Bible talks about the Lord giving us a new name. Well, you'll know that new name. We'll know our Chinese brothers we've never met. We know our, our um, pick a continent. If, somebody, if humans are on it, we'll know those Christians when we get to heaven. You say, well, how? I don't know. It just says so, and I believe it. That's the Lord we serve. He's greater than us. 
heaven's an awesome place. I, listen, Revelation, write this in your notes if you have a bullet. Revelation 21, 1 through 27. I was going to read the whole chapter to you this morning, but I want you to read it yourself. Go and have a look what heaven looks like. It's a beautiful place. Read Revelation 21 and just find out what God's trying to say to you, what heaven's like. I'm trying to tell you, I built a place for you. And if I go to make a place for you, I'm coming again to get you so that where I am, you may be also. Hey, Jesus don't live in a dumpster. Amen? Amen? Does, do you all like waterfalls? Do you like oceans? Do you like lakes? You like nice grass, fill in the blank, whatever you like here on earth. Hey, this was his creation before we messed it up. Right? Amen? Sin came into the world, and the Bible says creation's groaning, waiting for the day that it's restored. There is a new heaven and a new earth coming. And listen, we're not just going to float around as fat baby angels in heaven. You won't be an angel. Heaven did not get a new angel when a baby dies. Amen? You can't turn from human to angel ever in your life. It doesn't happen. Bad theology, dumb teaching. Don't say it. Don't get the bumper sticker. Don't get the window sticker. Don't say it. And if a preacher says it, walk up on the platform and say, listen, that's my baby. And I know I'm going to get to heaven, right? I believe babies, listen, those, no one's innocent because you're born in sin. Until they have the ability to know right from wrong, listen, know that willful sin, I believe those children go to heaven based on Scripture. What David said, listen, I can't go, to, that child can't come where I am, but where he is, I'm going to go. And some crazy theologians and preachers say, David was talking about death. Has anybody gotten excited? I can't wait to die. I mean, I'm ready to go, right? I'm ready to check out and go to my place. But no way, if you live for death, you need to get some help with depression, right? David wasn't talking about death. He was talking about going to this place where his God was. David knew God. He wasn't a perfect man by any means, man of God's own heart, but he knew God, and he knew that child who was born into sin was in the presence of the Lord. So don't let anybody say to you, heaven got a new angel today. There are no new angels today. God's not still in the angel factory in heaven. Humans don't die and go into the factory and come out as looking over you. It's not happening. There's no fat baby cherubs that are going like this looking at you. You're not one. You don't play harps. Now you might play instruments. I don't know. But the Bible says the new heaven and a new earth. If you keep reading, you'll find out the new Jerusalem's coming to earth. Here's news for you. We're going to live on earth. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden where it was supposed to be. We're going to work here on earth. Work is not a curse. Work is a gift from God. You can't tell that in America today, can you? It's crazy. That's sinful man doing sinful things. That's another sermon for another day, right? I see y'all's face. Jesus told his disciples he was leaving, but he also told them he was coming to get them. If I go to prepare a place for you, what does he say? I will what? Come again. Listen to what it said. Look at John 14. I told you I prepared a place for you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if I go and prepare, verse 3, a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself. You coming to be with me. If you're my disciple, you coming with me. Property of, you can get that shirt, property of Jesus Christ. Walk around it with a chest like this. Like, well, guys, I don't know how ladies walk around, hair bows, whatever you do, to say that you're macho. Guys usually stick their chest out and flex their muscles. Listen, property of Jesus Christ, right? With confidence. Let me go through the notes really quick, give this to you. Jesus promised his disciples they would be with him again. Isn't that a good word? I am his disciple. I will be with Jesus one day. Never walk with him here physically. Walk with him daily, right? But I will see him face to face, friend to friend, Lord to me. 
Jesus reminded his disciples that they, in fact, knew the way. John 6 told us again, you go back and look at this reference. Don't have time for the reference today. John 6, 41 through 51. Jesus told, if you believe in me, if you believe, you are my disciples, and my disciples, listen, I will come and get them. I will come and get you. In ignorance, Thomas spoke. And ignorance is not stupidity. Ignorance is, I just don't know. And Thomas didn't know the way. Even though we call him what? What do we call him in the church? Poor fella. We call him Doubting Thomas. You know what his nickname was in the Bible? It wasn't, there's no place in the Bible he's called Doubting Thomas. Why does he get the nickname? Because we as Christians think we know better than the Bible. We call him Doubting Thomas. Was he doubting? Maybe. Because even later he says, I won't believe that Jesus is resurrected if I don't touch the, the hole in his side and see the holes in his hands. His nickname in the Bible was Didymus. He had a twin brother or sister. He was a twin, Didymus. Not Doubting. So get your theology right on that, okay? So we just call him Doubting Thomas because we call people nicknames or we make up names for people because we read something and apply because we heard somebody preach it. His name was Didymus. His nickname was Didymus. Now, James and John, Sons of Thunder, we, the, the, all these guys had nicknames or, or, or common names for them. In ignorance, Thomas spoke, Lord, we don't know where you're going and how can we know the way. Verse 6, he transitions with great authority. Jesus described to them, God, we sing it this morning, I am who I am because the I am says who I am, right? Is that a mouthful for everybody? Well, he says, look at the first two words in your Bible when he says, you do know the way, verse 6, what does he say? Jesus said to them, I am. He's saying himself, he's God, he's calling himself God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus added to his declarative statement, I am the truth and the life. In this tense moment, each disciple had to check his heart to see if he honestly believed in Jesus as Messiah. Here's the question. I put it in there for you. Today is no different for us. We must actually believe Jesus is the, and I put on there, I didn't put in your notes, I put the way, but with all those other third-way churches and the one-way international, we must believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, according to what he said. No one comes to the Father. So what does that put on us? The proverbial monkey on our back, doesn't it? That we have to carry the load to go tell our family and friends about the truth. Do you have friends this morning that are in maybe a third-way church or an occultic place like the Way International? You've got to go say, let's sit down and see what the Word of God says. Take your notes, take your Bible, and sit with them. Say, what is the truth from the Word of God? Not from some man from the pulpit, not from some woman standing in front of you. What does the Word of God say? And then and only then do you base your theology, your doctrine, on what God's Word says. Now, hopefully you have somebody preaching the Word of God, right? Teaching you the Word of God. If anything ever sounds contrary, what do you do? Check the scripture. That's the authoritative source that you have available to you. 66 books from the word of God, or from God himself, God breathed. Be careful, church, how we live today. Be careful how we walk. But listen, we walk as people of the light. We walk as people of the truth. We walk as people of the way. And when we speak, we speak with authority because when I say that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven, guess who's got my back on that? Jesus Christ. So do I have to be, fear that? Oh, well, you might get upset with me. I don't believe anything you're saying. I can't make you believe, right? Nobody could make me believe. Because if I can talk you into it, somebody else can talk you out of it, right? Only when you have beliefs, only when you have convictions that this is true, and I will hang my hat as it will on this truth, I will not leave this. Because Jesus said, he'll never leave me and forsake me. Lord, with your help, right? It's always with your help, because... We know our tendencies, don't we? Our tendency is to leave. Our tendency is to stray and walk away from him. But 
But Lord, with your help, the Holy Spirit's got us. I won't leave you nor forsake you. Help me, Lord, help me. And how does he help you? Through the guiding of the Holy Spirit, through godly counsel, through the word of God. And he will use traumatic stuff in your life if you get into sin to bring you back in line with him. God's a dealer in trauma, just so you know. He'll let the devil tear you up. But he'll slide right there. Because the devil is God's devil. Did you know that? The devil don't get to do anything on his own that the God don't know about. It. Look at the cross. The devil thought he won. He crucified the Son of God. And that was God's plan all alone. Dumb devil. Amen? Amen? He's powerful. I respect. I don't go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the devil. I just draw near to God. I resist the devil. And he's got to go. So I do win over the devil. But I don't spend no time talking to him or talking about his attributes other than to warn you and teach you don't go, don't go dabbling with the devil. Amen? We serve an awesome God. Greater is he that's in me, within me, than he that's in this world. We serve an awesome God. He's got a place in the Father's house waiting for you and me if you'd only believe. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for this day. Lord, we thank you for that reservation that we have, not in the sky, but Lord, in heaven with you. Thank you that, Lord, you made the place, that you made the way, that you made us, that we could choose, Lord, when you draw us to yourself, we could choose and say yes to Jesus. Lord, you've given us so much opportunity. But yet today we have so much blessing and riches that we just, we like our stuff more than we even care to think about Jesus. Break, Lord, young people's hearts for Jesus. This is all new for them, and they just attend church and go to camp and do the things that, well, that you're supposed to do. Lord, let it be more to them. For parents and college students and adults, Lord, let it be more to them, not just raising children, not getting the soccer practice or some crazy thing that we're running here and there for, but Lord, let it be more to them about Jesus Christ and putting you first. And Father, for senior adults, they're not out of the woods because so many senior adults, Lord, are lonely and depressed. And if they're not careful, they'll think about themselves more than they'll think about others. And Lord, let them light a fire at what they know to be true. And Lord, work till Jesus comes or till you come for them. And Lord, be a light in this world. Break our laziness. Break our lack of commitment that, Lord, we would bow our knee to the Holy One who created us to the Holy One who saved us, to the Holy One that has prepared a place for us in glory. Lord, we can't tell you how much we love you today besides to sing about it, to pray about it, to preach about it. Lord, help us to live it out thoroughly in our lives. We need you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray for his sake. Amen.